0: And now back to Lifeline.
1: The time 613, two lines open, one 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 of the things you do when you actually get a handle on the Word of God and you realize that it is God's inerrant truth spoken to us in codified form, that is, um, it's black letters written on white paper with the exception of the red letter edition, etc., Uh, And it's codified. It's, uh, It's there. And the Spirit of God uses his word to minister to our soul, to speak to us in clarity beyond any other form of alleged revelation from God. That being said, one of the things we try to always do when understanding God's word is to recognize when God's word is giving us a precept of duty, a promise of blessing, or some kind of prohibition and corrective for disobedience. As a child of the living God, you want to be able to recognize promises. And in light of the topic we're dealing with, uh, the issue of regulating the emotions, being able to integrate them as as opposed to avoid them or to bow down and worship them, the two extremes that Arthur talked about, I want you to listen to David. I'm going to take up uh, Marlis' notion of how the Old Testament actually did directly address legitimate expressions of heartfelt struggle, emotional discombobulation. Listen to David in Psalm 38, and there are many Psalms along these lines that describe the state of the believer when we are outside of a promise that God gives to us, a promise given to us in Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now that's a promise. Isaiah 26, 3, you guys have heard it before. But now, come on now. You know that that is not the constant reality of your soul over the tenor of your life in Christ. That a constant state of growing and abounding peace, that's what the term in the Hebrew there means, perfect means continual, abounding peace, maturing peace, repetitive peace whose mind is stayed on thee, whose mind is stayed on thee. That's a promise from God. But what happens to you and I when uh, life is like this? This is what David says in Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, neither chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows stick fast in me, and your hand presses me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go about mourning all the day. For my loins are filled with loathsome diseases and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. See what David is talking about? He's talking about an overwhelmed state. And I can give you seven, eight, ten psalms that describes being overwhelmed. Thy billows have gone over my head. I am uh, as one that is uh, cast out of your sight. I, I feel completely out of control. That's the idea of the overwhelmed state. And uh, and it and it speaks to that which is opposite of Isaiah twenty six three, perfect peace have all they whose mind is stay on me. I know for me when in the difficulties of life, in the mystery of uh, events, when the when the compilation of trials come from good places and bad places. If I'm not careful, I can be moved away from a central state of emotional equity and integrity and and be moved to one direction or another. And when that occurs, I'm I'm a mess. I'm just like David. Spiritually, I'm in a fetal position and I can say, um, I know what it means to be overwhelmed. Do you? And uh, in those times of being overwhelmed, what do you do? That's going to be our next topic in our DOG June 15th, the overwhelmed state, that, that state of being out of control, that state of losing the sense of soundness. David said that twice in this verse, there is no soundness in me. I don't have that word literally means there is no wholeness, no integrity, no coherence. I'm, I'm, I'm completely disintegrated, useless right now. This also describes a person who is in extreme states of depression. Would you know anything about that? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. God's people frequently are there, and the question is why. Let's go to line number one and talk with Sarah in uh, Palo Alto. Line number one, Sarah in Palo Alto. Sarah, are you there?
2: Yes, I am. Boy, that was very powerful. That's very thought-provoking, so I'm going to have to uh, close my mind for a minute because that was very powerful, what you just read, um, as was the article earlier. Um, I want to kind of give a little testimony to how I've dealt with it. Most of my life, I, I'll, I'll confess, this is not easy mm-hmm. because um, I've been overwhelmed for, for legitimate and, and not so legitimate reasons. Right. And and I found that, particularly this past year. Uh, I watched. It, I'm kind, I was kind of a news junkie. I'd watch both sides, but it doesn't matter—right, left, middle, BBC. It doesn't, I watched it all. I was almost uh, compelled to, and my rage was so intense. I, uh, the hypocrisy, the lying, the whatever side—it doesn't matter. But both, I, 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 I couldn't even—I I couldn't uh, contain my my. Uh, anger at this cause, or this one, or this, this this thing, and there's so much injustice in the world and, sure. and in this country, and I just didn't know. So uh, so the Holy Spirit really came down on me um, hope, uh, justifiably, and I'm so grateful for it. So I had to literally unplug everything. Yep. I haven't looked at the television, now that's not to say I don't know what's going on in the world, Sure. Um, because believe it or not, I get more now from radio, because it's kind of pure the news is is i don't i couldn't listen to all the pundits talking about their you know uh, bs excuse my language but yeah i use the term
1: know. i use the term bs quite frequently bologna sandwich oh,
2: okay good and i i just couldn't you know I, so so i know what's going on it's not like i'm living in ignorance but what i found what calmed me down finally was something you addressed earlier and and you're always so right it. i'm almost ashamed to call because you you say everything so eloquently but the the what I found in my life was I had to draw myself back in and examine myself right That's, I had to examine myself, not to say that 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 the anger wasn 't righteous or the, the the issues that in this country going on right now is it, just horrendous and around sure. the world sure but but I had to kind of focus on. And you spoke to it earlier, looking at myself, mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, there are some things you need to correct, honey bun. <laughs> there are things that, that you know, there, there's a lot going on there. And, and I had to quiet all of that noise, because there's so much noise in the world, and we're bombarded with it, that I kind of uh, looked outwardly instead of looking inwardly, and, yep. and through the, the lens of God. Yep. And so that just gave me such peace it's not pretty picture i'm not saying it is there are things i'm i'm working on but but it 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 took the anger i think that you know i i just remember i had a a music teacher her whole family was killed in in the holocaust
1: yeah
2: and although she wasn't jewish ironically they they were
1: well you know there were more people killed in the holocaust than are just our jewish friends
2: Exactly, and her par- her father was a pastor. He was killed because he was speaking the Word of God. Sure. And so, but but what she said was that everyone that was around her, she was a little girl at the time, and she she was saved because she could play the piano for the officers, and she was a pretty little blonde girl with blue eyes, so mm-hmm. they said, okay, you know, mm-hmm. close enough, we'll let her live. Sure. And so, um, but but she found that the people who survived were the ones that they they. they, they, they move forward, they got out of the... There was no time for anger. Right. There was no, their whole families were... Run, everything, so they had to flee. There was no time for that. And, and, and I think in myself, because I've been through certain things like we all have, um, if, you, if you get stuck in that, that anger thing or wanting uh, justice... Uh, there's no justice. There's only God will take care of that, and there's only justice in the Bible. We're never going to have justice. I don't care. In my life, there are things that happen. I'm not going to get justice for it. Great Black perspective. People. Great perspective.
1: Yeah. Great perspective. You, the, you're saying the right thing.
2: Oh, I'm, I appreciate I'm going to cry because I, I was so embarrassed to call because it's, To speak to to you is very intimidating.
1: (laughs) Well, you (laughs) shouldn't. You shouldn't be. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty simple. I'm. I'm. I'm out there. I I like talking to people. And plus, this is our forum. What you and I are doing. This is a, a the greatest privilege in the world to kind of just sit and talk, and there are thousands of people who are listening, and they 're not going to call they 're just going to en- listen to our engagement and hopefully we're putting together um, Sarah a conversation that they resonate with. I think the topic is, is very important, and I definitely appreciate you coming on having worked through a pattern that is very common in our society. I I preached a series uh, about a month ago called um, the political angry man versus the spiritual pious man. And what I was doing was demonstrating the conflict that Christ had with the Jewish rulers that Christ was the uh, spiritual pious man among very hostile, angry leaders who all they were bent on was control secular prosperity and killing Jesus because he had a message that didn't correspond with their agenda. And I'm afraid, Sarah, that frequently when Christians get caught up in the rhetoric and the diatribe and the polemics a uh, political talk radio that they become existential. And this is what I meant in my opening commentary that we end up operating on such a horizontal plane. I call it in other terminology, the horizontal dilemma where you really do not operate from a central vertical communion with God, where the blessings of objectivity are there where the ability to maintain a, a very balanced, emotional and objective view of the issues It's not that we don't see them. It's not that they aren't there. It's not that they don't matter, but they cannot be so primary that they take away our stability emotionally. And then, you know, put us in this myopic state of wanting to be angry, upset, and and hell bent against the world. That's totally um, inappropriate for the people of God. And you found that out.
2: Well, I I just say this because I know you have a lot of other callers, but I just want to say, Pastor Jesse, uh, 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 I'm humbled because you said exactly what I was hoping to say, but couldn't quite articulate it as beautifully as you just did. And that's what worked for me, and I think that's what would work for any Christian. You you cannot take your eyes off of Jesus. You can't. You know, I think of the Jews going in and they're complaining about manna and this and that and that and that. Uh, you know, instead of examining themselves yep. and and what God did for them yep. and how they should be feeling gratitude and, and safety and all the things God was providing. So I, I'm not going to say anything else, because how can I top what you just said? But I appreciate that you actually validated something I was trying to say, and that means a lot to me.
1: All right. Thank you for the call. God bless you. I've got to take a break. Vida, Hold on. I'm coming back shortly. Three lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. See, that's what I mean. Sarah got it. I'd love to hear others to see if they got it or need to get it because this is really part of the strategy of the devil. This is Matthew's chapter 24 around verse 13 or so. Uh, Because iniquity will abound, the hearts of many will grow cold. I'll talk about that when I come back. But three lines are open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. And I'll tell you, this mess keeps churches from functioning in a vital level too. back up, cut it off like Sarah did. Open your Bible. Pray for God to show up in the presence of the spirit, in the person of Christ, the approval of the father and open his word to you and find the joy and peace. That is the promise of Isaiah 26, three. Three lines open. Let me hear from you. I'll be right back.
0: And now back to Lifeline.
1: And we're back. The time 633 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. One, triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. If you want to join our conversation um, about emotional regulation, about emotional integrity, about getting it. Uh, Getting that thing healthy and right and centered and appropriately placed so that we are not either overwhelmed or um, idolatrously given to emotions as our identity. However, here's what David said before I go to Veda and then I'll talk also with uh, Sally. But we do have two lines open. You can call and become part of the conversation if you want to brave it. David said in Psalm 69, these words, verse one, two and three, and then verse 13 through 15. Save me. It's a great way to uh, confess when we are overwhelmed. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. He uses the metaphor of being in the ocean again and swept off of one's feet. I sink in the deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to the deep waters where the floods overflow me. Can you imagine what that's like emotionally and spiritually? I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. He's been crying so long. He lost all of the saliva in his throat. Been there? He says, my eyes fail while I wait for God. David's admitting something many of us know. Frequently, we have called upon God in times when we have been overwhelmed. And God takes a long time to show up. And we're trying to figure out how to handle that kind of extended version of brokenness while calling upon God. All kind of emotions are running through our thoughts at that time. Shame and humility and, and guilt and, and fear and anger and doubt. And we are overwhelmed. We're stuck. We're paralyzed. We're troubled. Verse 13. But as for me. My prayer is unto you, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire. I'm stuck. Is that what happens when emotion overwhelming takes place? You get stuck. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. That's the ultimate fear, is it not? Let me not be delivered. uh, Let me be delivered from them that hate me. Out of the deep waters, let not the water flood overflow me. Let neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. David is describing what it feels like when we are out of control. And uh, was sharing with Sarah, and Sarah was uh, ex- establishing a very good uh, observation of really a pathology in our nation. Did you guys know that um, statistics say that Americans are more anxious today than ever before? Not surprised. Let's go to line number two and talk with Veda and Morgan Hill. Veda, are you there?
3: I am here. How are you? Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Good. What's your thoughts?
3: Well, I wanted to comment on the uh, gentleman who wrote about the woman who had lost three children in yeah, a row.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And um, how she thought she had to come to church with a smile on her face, mm-hmm. or, or that was his observation. Right. I think that sometimes um, we don't recognize that people are in a state of shock after a death. And I can speak from the heart with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was caring for my husband before he went home to be with the Lord, Uh the last two nights I had him at home before we took him to the hospital, I sang to him and prayed with him until about three o'clock in the morning uh, for two nights in a row. Mm -hmm. And then the third day we took him to the hospital and he was supposed he was scheduled to have surgery uh the following week and something happened that he said I don't want to do this anymore um I want to go home right and I said do you mean home here or home heaven and he said home heaven so he said call the girls so I called our two of our daughters and they came to the hospital, and between the three of us, uh, we used our cell phones, and he we called all the grandchildren, and he was able to say to them, I'm on my way home to be with Jesus. Mm. Don't disappoint me. Be there. Yeah. So that was a very emotional time for me, and uh, so we, we spent the whole weekend praying with him, singing hymns, and our pastor came, the family gathered around, and we had communion, and uh, members of the congregation came and said goodbye to him, those that could. Right. And so it was very, uh, a very draining experience. We took him home on Monday, which was another long process, and he was in hospice, and we cared for him at home. And so he went home at noon on Ash Wednesday, and, and Ash Wednesday uh, reminds us that from the dust we came. Right. Into the dust we will return. That's right. And so in our, in our um, congregation um, that we belong to, we, we celebrate Lent, And Mm -hmm. also we celebrate Advent. Mm -hmm. And this was, of course, during the beginning of Lent. And so when he went home at noon, I thought about, I want to go to church tonight. Mm -hmm. So I asked the children that wanted to go with me if they would go. And so some of us did, some of us. Of us were not in good enough shape to go. So we all handle things a little differently. And we need to be aware, I think, and reach out to those who seem to be closed in on themselves
4: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, because we're all hurting, Mm -hmm. because we are in a broken world. And so it's easy to judge. look at another person and say, you shouldn't be smiling. Right. And, um, but we don't know what that person is feeling inside. Agreed. Yeah. So, uh, so pray for one another, Mm -hmm. pray for one another.
1: Mm -hmm. And be slow to speak in in the areas of um, deep emotional sensitivities um particularly around the loss of loved ones uh, we don't have to have a patent uh response that we should expect people to fit in as you were stating that uh everybody handles it differently and we should make room for them to process it uh the way they will process it and uh and 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 it will work out if we are if we we want to exercise a little bit of emotional intelligence there.
3: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, not just the family, but, uh, all around us, those that we, our lives touch, we all handle, um, the going home of, of a loved one differently. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, I was so tired. I think that for a few days, I couldn't cry. Right. I just was. Um, in fact, I had said to him when he said he, he was through. He wanted to go home to be with the Lord. Well, then, I started to cry, and he said, "Don't cry, please, don't cry." And I said, "You've been married to me for fifty nine years, and wow. you're telling me." Right, exactly. Right. You know me better than that. Exactly. But I will stop now. But I will miss you every day of my life until I see you again. It's
1: a wonderful story. Wonderful story. Um, what I appreciate about it too, and, and am I getting uh, a, a VEDA right? Is it Veda? Am I dealing with Veda. a, a Veda? Veda? Okay, got it. All right. So yeah. that's good. Uh, what I what I appreciate about your story is, uh, and uh, as a pastor. I really do try to help Vita people prepare for our ultimate earthly test and that's crossing over from life into into glory and and for us to be able to do it uh well and to be able to honor God in it because he has given us uh every resource by which we can do it in a way by which his attributes, his his glory, his redemptive characteristics can be seen in our humanity and be winsome to people who will ultimately have to face the same thing. And you guys did a great job. Your community did a great job in helping— um what we call transition for your husband. And I'm thankful that you shared that because um, we're, we're seeing loved ones go home every day. And there's somebody listening right now who has benefited from your testimony.
3: Praise the Lord. All right.
1: Praise Thank you. Lord. Thank you. Bless Thank you. Hope you. to hear from you again. Let me go to line number three and talk with Sally. I got a few minutes before break. Sally, how are you?
4: well, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. In mm-hmm. First and Second Timothy, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I I am very humbled by Vita's, uh testimony. Uh, I I don't even know that what I have to say is pertinent, because
1: oh, it sure it will be. It may he, not. she
4: was hot off the griddle, and and she was able to to share uh, in in such a short amount of time that she's gone through this, and mm-hmm. it's uh we we've had my folks went through a lot and my husband lost his immediate three three family members uh, before he was 20 and uh, we lost three immediate family members uh before we'd been married uh, before we were 26 years old wow but you know uh i i've often wondered why my one of my kids uh had panic attacks Mm-hmm. And now, her daughter is having panic attacks, mm-hmm. and I never saw panic attacks, except that I did have a grandmother that ended up in a sin asylum and obviously had some mental problems but sure. but i I've never seen panic attacks right. and i i I really am impressed. I had a very good Sunday school program and memorization in junior high and and training to be uh, uh, little bits of leadership in, in high school or college, uh plus you know my professional life but but uh you, these kids haven't had that and and to really feel familiar with the Bible when you're tiny uh is is so important, and for a daddy to be able to share the scripture and a mother to be able to live the scripture and and talk about the lord jesus uh it prepares you for all of these things that that come on and and I am the last of my immediate blood family
0: mm-hmm.
4: uh and and but you know uh the Lord is so good and you gave an Isaiah scripture, yep.
1: What was it? It's Isaiah twenty six three which affirms really everything you're talking about. Um yeah. they, they will they will be God will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Yes. But, but when you're talking about and and Sally, when you're talking about God's ideal that children that are born into this world, this broken world with all kinds of ca- up uh, um, surprises and difficulties uh, to shelter them in their conscience and to shelter them in their mind and in their heart with biblical truth to, to um, supply them with the promises of God and to show them the goodness and glory of God in Christ, uh, both in terms of parents who love them and parents who train them. Is the ultimate way to shield them in the face of difficulties in this life, of which uh, in this present generation they don't have, and so anxiety attacks are are uh, pervasive all over the nation. Sally, uh, in a generation where they have rejected the counsel of God largely, uh, and have been exposed to uh, the weaknesses of human uh, human uh, counsel and human advice which can never ever reach the soul like the truth of God and you know I gotta take a heart break they're looking at me saying we gotta pay bills and I'd love to close the program with you thank you for your eloquence I gotta take a break um, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline I'll be right
0: back and now back to Lifeline
1: well the time 5 6 52 on the Monday edition of Lifeline if you want to try to call in you might get a you might get one one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I've got about five minutes to chat with you. Uh, I enjoyed our topic. I hope that you did. Um, one of the objectives was to uh, set before your thoughts an area in the Christian life that I think sometimes we neglect, and that is I've seen this over the years. I've seen the um, inability to hold in tandem uh, uh, cognitive reasoning. And emotional emphasis or emotional influence, cognitive reasoning, emotional influence, the necessity of recognizing that your thoughts will be impacted by how you feel. And if you don't regulate how you feel in relationship to how you think, your feelings will dominate your thinking and the outcome will impact your volition, that is your actions. That's why the author was saying be very careful that you don't idolatrize and worship how you feel as if it is the truth. Your feelings are a fact, they are not the truth. Your feelings are a fact that must be regulated by right and proper thinking. God never ever brings us into judgment or assessment. Uh, On the basis of how we feel, because feeling is simply part of a process that never, ever culminates until we act. And what God will judge is our actions based upon our thinking rooted in uh, the level of influence that our feelings have. Now, if we want to make sure that that trifecta is working in a healthy way in our life as believers. Yeah, we want to bring every captivity into thought every thought into captivity, if you will, to the obedience of Christ. We want to be able to rein in our emotions and make sure that they are operating in the behalf of our thinking so that our choices are a consequence of faith and obedience. I'm thinking of John eleven thirty three, where it says Jesus wept. He wept. Now, that is an emotion. But was it a blind emotion that had no thought behind it? Was it just an extemporaneous outburst of uh, of emotional frustration or was it rooted in his understanding of the circumstance and the appropriateness of the emotional expression towards those people that he loved and cared about, i.e. Mary, Martha, and of course, Lazarus. And I thought about the profundity of Christ weeping. Over against you and I, who uh, in some cases neither weep nor laugh, and both being absent in our presentation of the gospel uh, in terms of our character and our, um, our, our, our disposition is a defrauding of God's honor and glory. We should be crying sometimes. We should be rejoicing. As Solomon put it, there's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. It's all part of the overall package, but it has to be balanced. And uh, that's what our next DOG will be all about, how to address the overwhelmed state and and, and bring it back into captivity to the obedience of Christ so that we get a handle on our life. Because uh, lots of people are, as Sally had stated, Dealing with anxiety attacks. I've dealt with that as a pastor recently with many uh, of uh, people that I know and members that I know as well. And we all have to ask, is it genetic? Is it epigenetic? Is it is it a social uh, phenomena? Is it uh, dietary? Is it... Uh, Is it a lack of balance in terms of choices that I should be making in terms of health? We can be overwhelmed when we overextend ourselves and give ourselves to activities, multiple activities that really are really overwhelming in terms of our emotional capacity, our cognitive capacities, our personal capacity. If We're beyond capacity. We're going to be overwhelmed. You know that. So, yeah, we want to try to uh, do life in a way that's balanced and productive. That's what I opened up with, and I hope that this did help you. This Sunday, we will be celebrating Mother's Day. I hope you guys uh have a wonderful Mother's Day. For those of you who are mothers out there, I want to say it to you now. Uh Pre-Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to you. We love you. We adore you. Uh, we thank God for you. You are a big part of our lives, not only in that you are that engendering specimen of God's glory who himself is bountiful in his wisdom to produce everything that he did. This is why the term wisdom in the Hebrew is in the feminine gender, uh, because it is wisdom that produces, wisdom that creates, wisdom that brings forth, wisdom that ushers in life. and uh, motherhood is a great metaphor uh, for that in that context. And uh, hopefully you guys will have a, a Sunday worship that will exalt Christ and uh, and therefore exalt mothers. Uh, we will be feeding our mothers as we do every year from 8 to 10 o'clock at Grace Bible Church. The brothers will be out there cooking. Fathers will be cooking. Sons will be cooking. I will be cooking. And we will be stirring it up. If you live in the Bay Area, you don't have a... Uh, a place to worship. Come on out from eight to 10 and be fed with the saints at grace in Hayward. And then we will have a time of worship and exaltation of our savior. Um, and then go home or do whatever we're going to do after that day. But uh, glad to have been with you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We are winding it down. I'll be able to leave in a moment. Hopefully I'll get home in time to catch. Uh, A few of uh, minutes of the Warriors uh, recovering from the fiasco of the other day. But mostly I'm looking forward to prayer tomorrow night, Tuesday night with the brothers and sisters to pray for the saints, pray for the people of God, pray for lost sinners, pray for this. We'll pray for the church of the living God, pray for our government and pray for our own needs. I love that every Tuesday night at 730 at Grace Bible Church and then Friday Bible study, then Saturday fellowship, and then Sunday. You know, it's wonderful to be called by God's grace. It's wonderful to be in the cause of the kingdom of God. I hope you are not idle. I hope God has placed you in a place where you are active for the glory of God and the honor of Christ by his power. So until next time, keep your eyes on the only thing worth fixing on. And that's Jesus and his glory. God bless you.